0: Hello, and welcome back to Hero with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where two game-likers in their 30s discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular and niche RPGs in a book club-like format. My name's Tyler.
1: And I am StaleyFan6565 at AOL.com.
0: It's season two. We're covering Final Fantasy VII Remake and its parallel content in the original game, released back in 1997. Today, we are returning back to chapter nine for the last time. Diving back into the plot, confronting Don Corneo at his mansion once we're all dressed up in beautiful outfits to uh, rescue Tifa and see what she's trying to do with Don Corneo, Don Cornholio there. Nate, it's been a while since we've recorded. Yes. However, I did finish the novel Final Fantasy VII. The kids are all right. And I want to give you a little little book report about that. Go for it. Nate, do you care about spoilers for this novelization of the events post- Final Fantasy 7 OG.
1: Well, the title of the book is a spoiler in and of
0: itself, right? It's funny you mentioned that because I found out that uh, Kazushige Nojima is a big fan of The Who, and The Who has a song called... It's the it's a and there are other references to the band The Who sprinkled throughout the book.
1: I don't know what it is about Japanese games, but it's a popular thing to do to Put all your band references in your games.
0: I took it to Reddit to the Final Fantasy VII Remake subreddit to ask what other Who references there are in the book to anyone in who's read it. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm a pretty big music file, but I'm not very fluent in the Who, and the only other reaction or response i got from the community was that the main character's surname is townsend his name is evan townsend and there is a the guitarist of the who is named pete townsend so they share the same last name pete townsend evan townsend so there are other who references but those are the only ones i'm aware of anyways first of all it's just pulp it's not extraordinary like riveting fiction it is it is a video game book and mm-hmm. it details the events of the Turks in the post Final Fantasy 7 original environment uh some of the events take place in Midgar some of the events take place in a city that has not yet been built and that does not exist in the FF7 world Edge hey you're familiar with
1: Edge Oh yeah it's in uh, Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus
0: Oh my god is it really Yeah Dude, I am way more out of touch than... That's
1: where the Bahamut fight takes place in Advent Children, where they're jumping around.
0: Okay, well, fair enough then. Anyways, Edge is there, and there are two plots that that Evan is entangled with. He is trying to go find his mother, who's trying to connect him to this mysterious person that might have something to do with a surgery that he needs, and and it takes him on a global track. However, he gets entangled with the Turks because it turns out he is...
1: shit
0: i know so he's valuable to them and and consequently gets entangled with rude and reno and elena and things like that and there are other characters that that are, are, were originally in these novels that appear in remake for example kairi who is the woman with like the trucker the, the young woman with the trucker's hat that we're going to meet eventually i pointed her out in the in the train and chapter mm-hmm. two i think it was uh, she's got striped leggings, and we'll meet her again in a couple chapters. Anyway, she's there. The Angel of the Slums, Marae, is there as well. They have a detective agency that Evan gets kind of adjacently involved in. There are other characters as well, and uh, you run into Cloud. You run into Tifa. Cloud is a courier. Oh, Denzel is briefly makes a brief appearance. He's a he's a character that originally appears in Advent Children, as you are aware, and. Johnny's there, and would you believe this? He's got a bar Mm. at Edge. Okay. Do you have any guesses what the bar's name is?
1: Um, Let's see. What rhymes with eight? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I can't think of anything.
0: It's called Johnny's Heaven.
1: Oh, never mind. That's dumb.
0: (laughs) It is dumb. But then again, Johnny's dumb. Mm -hmm. However, an antagonist emerges in the last third of the book that actually took me by surprise and this will be another bebaruni for the folks at home shows up okay yeah cool and it turns out that the that the a plot like his mother stuff is involved in hunting down which is also a goal of of, uh, of, of the turks of course
1: this wasn't a companion piece to Remake. This was a companion piece to Advent Children, right? Uh,
0: yeah, you could describe it like that.
1: In terms of when it was released and written, I mean, did he release this as like, "Hey, remakes happening"? Let's promote it with a book, or was this like a two thousand five, two thousand six release? I am gonna look up the dates because I'm very curious. This was published in twenty nineteen. Um. The reason I was thinking about it is, I I wanted to know was the I can't even think of the name. You said it a minute ago. The lady of the slums, the Maria. Yeah, whatever. I was wondering, is that been something that's been like floating in the expanded FF seven universe consciousness for decades now? And then they just like threw that into remake, but I'm getting more of the sense of like this book happened around the same time they were developing these characters for remake. And that's why they're in the book It's like, even though they're talking about Avan children shit, this is more of a companion piece to remake in a way because it's involving all of these remake characters,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Well, after you looked up the publication year, yeah, that makes more sense.
1: Who knows? Because there's definitely stuff we will encounter that leans towards them validating the existence and importance of Advent Children. Or, well, actually, we actually, we have addressed some of that so far in that... The appearances of Sephiroth in chapters we've already covered have been accompanied by tracks from Advent Children, not from original Final Fantasy 7. So they're definitely leaning into that thing that a good number of people don't like is still very pertinent mm-hmm. to the FF7 experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they're they're not like... Retconning it out of existence or anything. From what I'm getting from hearing your account of this short story,
0: no, they don't. And it's more like they're recontextualizing certain components of remake. For example, like this is my second time playing remake, and playing it the first time when Kyrie shows up, when Marae shows up, it's kind of like, well, less so with Marae because she is more, she is dressed up as more of an NPC that kind of dips in and out like an, a good NPC should in a subquesty sort of way, but. In a chapter or two, Kairi is going to come forward and be quite relevant to um, the story. And if you haven't read the book before, which most people haven't, it feels very like, what the frick is this? What is this obnoxious young woman? The, w- w- what are you doing here? I'm trying to play Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. And and I think that was a lot of people's impression. But now that I've read the book, now that uh, I've got a flavor of Kazushige, Kazushige Nojima's broader scope of stories and people he wants to shed light on in the ff7 verse it does make more sense and Kyrie's is very tolerable in the books i mean she, she's spunk I mean, it's okay for kids to be spunky and and to read about them
1: sure how do you feel about needing extracurricular activity to fully value and validate characters within works and i will cite the fact that like anytime you for example like star wars you know You with the the new trilogy or even the old stuff, you know, like there was the old expanded universe. And anytime you say, like, back in the day in the movie, this character was kind of paper thin or stupid or, you know, whatever. Right. Just pulling something out of my ass. Mm -hmm. Somebody inevitably comes along. Well, you didn't read the book that focused on them. It's like, yeah, of course I didn't (laughs) because I'm not here for like star wars as a cinematic experience for me encapsulated what i wanted from it i guess the best way i can say it is like the contents of star wars are wonderful to put onto a screen but aren't nearly as interesting enough at least in my opinion to warrant books (laughs) i don't know other people feel differently about that and like they've told me about these amazing star wars books where like but there's a clone of the emperor and then this other guy clones
0: luke and uh, it's just like and your eyes roll back in the your head and you're like jesus christ
1: yeah that all sounds incredibly fucking stupid you know <laughs> and the it was kind of capstone. i mean i was a kid i this is the tangent you warned our listeners about right the shadows of the empire that was the first like multimedia push Hmm. i remember as a child because it was a video game it was a book it was like a soundtrack and a toy release series but there was and i think they made comic books about it too like a a side series whoever made the, the comic books and there were like trading cards and everything. So you were surrounded by all of this new Star Wars shit happening around you, but there was no movie <laughs> there. Mm-hmm. You know, the the usual media push, the merchandise push that came with a movie wasn't there, except there would be in a couple of years, the like special editions of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So that was coming, but I felt like it was just a little misaligned. But so I did. Digest all of that stuff, you know, and like they it, it takes place between episode five and six, yeah, right. And like they have the storyline of Leia getting seduced by an alien that seduces people and everything. And I just remember thinking, even then, as like an 11, 10 year old, 12 year old, somewhere around there, thinking like this just doesn't really feel like Star Wars to me, this feels like something else except maybe the video game. The video game kind of felt like Star Wars. But that that's just my take on it. Even since then, I've had this like weird thing of like I don't really like the transmedia extracurricular stuff that you have to do to experience something, you know? I don't know how you feel about that.
0: I feel the same way because I'm a detached kind of person, but because I love this particular IP, I'm pleased to dig myself into these extracurricular media, mm-hmm. but I don't feel like it's it's a necessary part of it. it it's an enrichment. Then again, using the Kyrie ex- example, and again, we'll talk more about it in, in a chapter or two, but, or in an episode or two, but uh, it tempers my perspective on how relevant she becomes, although not for very long.
1: Sure. I think actually to kind of amend what I'm saying is Final Fantasy 7 Remake is a one that does it well in that I didn't even realize these books existed. And there was nothing about the original playthrough for me personally that I felt like, where where's this coming from? Who the hell are these people? It just kind of felt like
0: mm-hmm.
1: in ways that they took other characters in the original game like. You know the the Shinra man in the business suit on the train. You saw him once. Well, in remake, you're kind of spotting him all over town. Or they reuse Johnny's dad model. You know because they reuse that model in OG, There's a running gag that Johnny's dad is also everywhere too, and he's actually literally fucking Johnny's dad this time. So like that that's a funny <laughs> gag. And so I kind of like I felt. There was no occurrence to me of like, where are all these extra characters coming from? And they all just kind of work. So that's a way that it's done good. And then a way that within the same spectrum of games that it's done bad is uh, Final Fantasy 15 is an absolute clusterfuck of... Nothing makes sense unless you digest all of the extra media in the game. And then still, it kind of still doesn't make a ton of sense after that. It makes a little bit more, but then, you know. Oh, no. Yeah. You got to watch the movie and then there's an anime and there's a short story. And oh, and we patched in extra lore bits for the. uh I don't even remember what they're called in the game. Essentially the summons, you know, we we've made patches that include more story for the summons and there's DLC character breaks down. Like, God you know, damn it. yeah, it's, it's terrible. And like, I appreciate extra stuff, but if the original work doesn't stand on its own without the extra stuff, then <laughs> please get out of here. You know,
0: I'm with you. I'm with you.
1: Tangent over
0: tangent over. So there's two more books I'm going to read. There's, on the, way, On to the smile, way to a Smile, <laughs> which is a series of vignettes featuring all recognizable characters to FF7.
1: Is that a band reference?
0: I don't know. It's funny you mention that because it's such a dumb name. It's a it is dumb in in a in a childish or romantic sort of Pollyanna sort of way. I'm reminded of the song that Milhouse's dad sings at a classic episode of of The Simpsons, can I borrow a feeling? <laughs> can I borrow a feeling? Could you lend me a jar of love? It's 100% fluff. It feels yeah. like to me on the way to a smile. Then again, if I read it, I'll pro- maybe I'll find the imagery that this is loaded into that phrase. But it does seem kind of you know, Final Fantasy VII remake, rebirth, reloaded. Mm-hmm dirge Mm -hmm. of cerberus on the way to a smile
1: yeah oh you just that's it dirge of cerberus if they ever do that one that's got to be reloaded right because of the guns
0: sure why not
1: if i remember correctly that one is going to be your advent children companion piece Mm -hmm. that one came out way earlier and that's like your denzel core experience
0: denzel core oh my god
1: he was i again another baffling like why is this kid so important and you know, I guess thematically they were trying to like next generation us or something.
0: That's a good question, actually. Like maybe he's supposed to embody the spirit of life after meteor fall. Yeah. Or the innocence of human. I'll find out maybe when I read it. But, but now that you ask the question, it's an interesting thing to chew on. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's that. And then there's two pasts, which is a much longer novel and, and a hardcover book. Um, between Aerith and Tifa, and I'm looking forward to that. So I'm doing it out of order because the kids are all right, seemed more relevant to Remake than the other two at a glance. Mm-hmm. Am I foolish, like, without actually knowing? And so I did that first. Now I'm going to go to On the Way to a Smile because it's quite short. And then Two Pasts is probably going to marry, is going to help marry the two verses together, OG and Remake.
1: If I remember correctly, I think Two Passes is actually... As as we get into the experience of Aerith and Tifa bonding and, you know, what's coming in the chapters ahead, I think Tupac might be more relevant than the Denzel Core experience, if I'm being
0: honest. Here's hoping, man. It'd be so funny if you're wrong. But you don't know, Nate, but <laughs> Denzel's a playable character in Rebirth. Wait, what? No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, wait, <laughs> what the fuck?
0: okay but it's believable isn't it all right let's get off this let's get back to proper content sure bringing us back into the story here so we've got Aerith all dressed up for don corneo cloud all dressed up for don corneo we're going to walk up to his mansion and uh, intercept tifa and see what's going on because she's exposing herself to danger for a reason that we don't know yet and we're going to find that out uh, momentarily here we arrive at the Don Corneo mansion. Leslie's there again. Oh my God, Leslie's in. The kids are all right as well. He's actually quite relevant to that. And he recognizes our ruse immediately like you you talk to him you push that button to like chat with him and he's like what the hell is this shaking mm-hmm. his head there's, there's no nonsense guy just sees right through us but he lets us through anyways we have an opportunity to explore the interior of the mansion there are a lot of doors to rooms we're not allowed to access because corneo lackeys are hollering at us to go to the door at the end and when we do, we do go to the door at the end. We kind of assume that's going to be the door where Corneo is, but it's not. It's a junk room.
1: This is a little bit different than OG because you, you're you kind of just told like, yeah, go hang out over there and, and you do. But here there's an actual sequence of events that happens.
0: We get gassed in both games. No, I don't. Don't we get gassed in, in original? No, no, no OG gassing. I'm remembering it wrong. Okay, fine. Whichever game the gassing is in, it feels completely unnecessary. Koch and Scotch come in with gas masks and they're like, we're going to take you to the parlor. And it's all kind of creepy, a little rapey. And we don't go to the parlor. It turns out in the basement of Don Corneo's mansion is a honest to God torture dungeon. And that's where we wake up and uh Tiva's there. That's where we run into her. Nobody talks about it. and then not this one or OG. Like actually Aerith has a one tiny throwaway line about like this place looks creepy. Oh. Yeah. Not like, oh my god, there's shackles and X crucifixes all over. It's it's weird, man.
1: You said that we got gassed or whatever uh, in OG you just go down here and you find Tifa just hanging out and you have a little chat. And then there's a guy that comes, he's like at the top of the stairway and he says, Hey, I told you not to wander around. Sheesh girls these days or something. <laughs> I'd have to go look at the dialogue, but it's like essentially he's just annoyed by you, but there is no gassing. You just run around and find Tifa in the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will notice note that uh, Tifa like, doesn't recognize Cloud immediately, and it's there's a little bit of that like Superman puts his glasses on and he's Clark Kent effect going on here because you you would you would know right 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 for example I watch RuPaul's Drag Race right these are men dressing up as women and they put on a ton of makeup and they put on dresses and everything and then after every first episode they have like the the d dragging or whatever where like everybody is like oh that's what you look like as a dude wow you know with that being the case cloud looks the exact same (laughs) as a woman as he does as a man even if he looks just a little bit more as we've said in the previous episode yassified it's still just 100 percent him and so tifa like having this moment of like cartoon wily coyote shaking his head and like his eyes bugging out or whatever like even if tifa has to like do that like smack (laughs) herself silly to recognize cloud it's like come on you knew that was him. But uh Cloud addresses it by just saying, Yeah, I know, nailed it. Let's move on.
0: <laughs> yeah, and he says it very shortly. Like he it takes him a second to get all those words out.
1: Oh my god, that makeup and that dress.
0: Nailed it. I know.
1: Thank you. Moving on. If you've got a girl you like, you wanna come off as like, Oh, I'm the man, right? <laughs> you know, like when you're you go to that party or you're at school or whatever, you don't want to look like a dumbass. You don't wanna be in an embarrassing situation around The girl, right? Unless you're Cloud. Well, I'm saying that's what he's doing. Is just like he realizes the situation he's in, and it's like I don't want to talk about this with you. Mm. (laughs) Not, not with you. You're the one person. Like, let's just move on, please.
0: Sure, 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 sure. We have a chance to explore the torture dungeon. There is a Chibi Corneo vending machine that sells sundries and a version of his own song, and. It's a very strange juxtaposition in the torture dungeon because it's all like dark brick, like burning sconces on the wall, racks and torture tools. Mm-hmm. And then there's this brightly lit plastic vending machine with a cute baby Corneo that sell that plays music and, and it's brightly lit and, and it and it's it's reflective of his personality because I, I know we haven't met him yet, but you, you get a sense that this man is very out of touch.
1: We've now seen the the Chibi Corneo. We haven't seen Corneo himself in the game yet, but we've seen the design in the battle arena with his anime version. We've seen his (laughs) vending machine and everything and his attire and the place we're in and all that. I don't know. Maybe a listener can clue me in if there's another representation of this type of character in Japanese media or some other place. But do you think that this is the way that the developers the writers the creators that this is their opinion of like this is what Hugh Hefner is like mm. because I'm getting very I'm getting Hugh vibes from what I'm seeing you've got the little like tuft of hair on the top of his head and, and it's like a amped up version of him right you've got the the leisure wear the mm-hmm. maroon robe being worn at all times you got the mansion dedicated to like this place is all it's Asian themed and that plays an actual role in the story later. Like he's a Final Fantasy seven's equivalent of Asia, <laughs> you know, Wutai. He's a big fan of that. Right. But in addition to that, everything has this like pink, red, bright glow to it. Almost like a whorehouse. house. Exactly. Kind of a, we've already been to a love motel in the game. So that's not what I'm getting at. But essentially where a, a rich man entertains himself, a brothel. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. with that being the case, I'm getting very i'm i'm feeling Hugh with this, and I don't know if that's what they were going for, or if somebody says, "Oh no, this guy in Japanese media, he was their equivalent of Hugh Hefner."
0: I don't know. Makes sense to me. Yeah. All right. So we get paraded out in front of Don Corneo, and we're kind of set up to be intimately reviewed by Don Corneo. Where is he? He's not there. And then he pops his head out from behind a corner.
1: Introducing Walmart's most eligible bachelor, the one and only
0: Don Corneo. Ladies. Uh. And it's a very unusual and stylish introduction. What we're showing here is a is a pathetic villain. He's a glutton. He's into, he's into depravity. He doesn't walk out and introduce himself. He, he sticks his head out. You can almost imagine like a slide whistle playing while he, while we get our first visage of him. It, it's so silly. There's a gulf between like the reality he lives in and like reality, reality. Sure. And he, he's, he's carefree and joyful and, and a horn Mm-hmm of the highest caliber. He introduces himself and he inspects the girls and Cloud is catty with him.
1: Ooh, you got a mouth on you. I'm going to enjoy breaking it in.
0: Hold on. Let's get a look at what he looks like. So this man, he's rather short, portly, beer belly, disgusting mustache. Oh, uh, that's kind of thin on his lips. His hair... <laughs> His hair is shaved at the sides. Has got like a curl of dyed blonde hair at the on the top of his head. He's got a tattoo on his scalp that's that of the word love with a heart and an arrow pierced through it. This is the last person in the world that knows anything about love. Mm-hmm. But he's got a heart tattoo with the word love on it on his goddamn skull.
1: So this is the reason for his existence. Like it, it's not like. The brothel, the courtship, if you want to call it that, whatever the competition that's going on. It's not like that's a side hobby that he does, like, on the weekend or, you know, whatever. And he's got a dozen other things he's into. Like, we're not seeing tattoos of his heritage or tribal tattoos or, or anything else he's accomplished. Literally, his Cupid's arrow love is is his identity that he wears on his outer sleeve. So if that gives you any idea, like there is nothing else to this man. He's a criminal and that all serves the purpose of him fucking essentially.
0: (laughs) It's amazing. The translation from original to remake to embody the pathetic pervert that this man embodies is, is spectacular. They've rendered him so well. It's amazing. It's amazing. We'll play a couple of clips of his quotes. When he, when he speaks, he sounds, he's disgusting. He snorts and he laughs and grumbles like a horse. He's like, hey, like, like he's freaking a <laughs> Scooby-Doo. When cloud threatens him, he's not like repulsed by the threats. He's, he's intrigued. It's, it's, oh, this one's, this one thinks she's tough. And, and that's actually why he ends up selecting cloud in the end is because, well, cloud won't take, his shit and hey that means she's going to take some work to break in Mm -hmm. and and he picks cloud for that very reason which is probably some relief for uh, the other ladies not not that the other ladies couldn't stand up to him if they really needed to they're all badasses after all
1: sure and that brings me to one question like you know like you just said he chooses cloud and both times i played remake he's chosen cloud i don't know how i wouldn't get cloud chosen because of how the game handholds you through doing the entire cloud gets chosen quest line mm-hmm. because in og if you're playing through this and you just skip over or fail or do any of this little side activities wrong he'll actually not pick cloud because he'll cloud will just look too busted he'll be like no that's that's a hundred percent a guy i can't <laughs> the the illusion is broken that's funny it's funny because cloud speak and Cloud puts no effort into hiding his voice at all. Back off! Ooh! <laughs> this kid's got claws. Corneo eventually does give the like a man. Oh my god! But I almost wonder if it's like a tongue-in-cheek of like him being like, "Oh my, it was a man the whole time," like because. You had to have known, at least in my opinion.
0: I don't know. Your head ain't up your ass as hard as Don Corneos is.
1: I think he's a guy of varied tastes. Let's just say it. There's everything wrong with him, but there's nothing wrong with having varied tastes. And I think that that's like his, I don't know, the, I'm feeling subtext there.
0: I, I do remember him like getting a close look at his face and Cloud turning his head one way. And this is true for original mm-hmm. as well. And then... Don Corneo like looks at the side of his face he's trying to hide, and then Cloud turns his face the other way. Sure. And they kind of play that kind of game. That take, Nate, is a very inclusive and interesting take. OG
1: Corneo perpetually has a cigar hanging out of his mouth. Does he? And I do not see a cigar anywhere in our footage of new Corneo. Then secondly, new Corneo is kind of always he, he's a skeezy dude. So he's always like rubbing his hands together like, oh, yeah, oh, shit. Here we go. You know, and like he, he's like wiggling in anticipation or like shaking a little bit. He's just so excited. But OG Corneo straight up will shake and thrust his hips at you in excitement. He will he will pulsate his little round character model and it's hilarious i i love it
0: it is hilarious
1: yeah so the there's two distinct differences there i think that they when you upgrade that like 19 polygon <laughs> sprite to a full-fledged man seeing him do those actions might boost the age rating a little bit more him doing like the humping motion irl there's no like uh, what's the word? There's no vagueness there when you upgrade that character model. So I think they had to remove that. And then just with the modern... I don't know if there's a thing of like smoking in games increases your rating now. I'm not sure if that's a thing. Because I don't of, know about that. Because like you see it a lot less. You see v- much fewer cigarettes. in. I think it was uh, in the most recent... I say recent, but it's like eight years old at this point. But in Metal Gear Solid 5 snake was smoking e-cigarettes because oh my god yeah or like essentially a vape machine because it probably would have incurred some sort of rating problem i don't know maybe i'm completely off base or wrong about that i just haven't seen people smoke in video games lately feel free on discord to chime in and tell me i'm an idiot but yeah
0: makes sense (sighs) all right all right so the scheme is, well, he's gotta pick three girls. We are all three girls, quote unquote. And turns out he picks Cloud. Takes him over to, I forget which happens first, but Cloud gets taken to Corneo's bedroom. And they have this spectacular interaction where where Corneo's got this beautiful bed. I think it's a circular bed and it's large and like silken. And he's on his hands and knees just savoring the moment. This dude is so into the foreplay that is about to take place. He's like whispering disgusting things into Cloud's ear, Cloud ain't having it, and just relishing the moment. Oh, and one thing I want to share with you, and Nate, this isn't going to be very obvious to you, is that in the bedroom in remake, there are pictures all over the walls. Mm-hmm. That's on purpose. It turns out that there are that there's that there's closed circuit cameras in Cornelio's bedroom, and he takes pictures of his bedroom adventures on purpose to use as leverage to blackmail people Mm. later on in events and i learned that in the kids are all right novel oh wow yeah they mentioned the blackmail they mentioned the pictures that he has up in his bedroom
1: sure so i'll i'll help you out here i got the footage pulled up um in og you go directly into corneo's bedroom in remake we have a little intermission where Cloud gets taken away to the bedroom, but we see the other two, the girls, be brought into essentially like the thugs quarters, you know, and Corneo is like, ah, oh, the girls are yours, you know, and and again, there's that like I mentioned this one or two episodes again where kind of the suggestiveness is just completely discharged like it's there in the subtext for you to infer what's about to happen, mm-hmm. but it's just not stated explicitly in the game kind of like maybe the cigarette thing like maybe that would increase a a ratings issue or something because the implication is like hey girls you came here to date me and you're not going to get a chance to do that but guess what my my guys they're going to do whatever the fuck they want to you Oof. right and that's definitely a consent issue a very dark turn of events but the game doesn't explicitly say that it says alright boys they're all yours like oh maybe keep them occupied keep them locked up in the room while I talk to Cloud or whatever oh
0: interesting the vagaries
1: yes exactly but you know what's about to happen based on the culture that you're meritating in here right and so that's where you know there's just no like <laughs> these girls are not going to deal with one second of that bullshit and so there is a little side battle we get to do before we bust in on corneo's room in remake where the girls just essentially slam dunk all of these idiots (laughs) it's pretty great
0: it's very girl bossy also they're assisted by leslie who gives them their equipment and weapons
1: nice there's this amazing song that plays in this section it starts out kind of like Darker or weird, but then like just lights into J-pop, EDM, uh explosiveness. It's great, and then about halfway through, I realize I'm listening to Tifa's theme when they're doing this. It's amazing because it's got the like da 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 da, but it's like amped up. Just you're ready to beat the shit out of everyone, to it. and I I loved it. And the song is called. This is a little bit of a spoiler. <laughs> But the song is called Smash em, Rip 'em.
0: And I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's coming up. That's coming up right now. Yeah. So when the girl bosses bust into the sexual harassment that Corneo is inflicting upon Cloud, we are gonna get the full story from him by threatening to castrate him. And there's a very funny sequence that take that that, that takes place here because, well, what is Corneo's favorite toy? The one he has between his legs. And so we're going to tell, we're going to compel him to spill the beans about what he's become involved in that Tifa has clued in on, which inspired the whole infiltration of Corneo's mansion in the first place. And they're like, if you don't tell me what's going on right now, I'll crush him. And he's like, no, no, he, no, 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 no. Because c- c- he does a Scooby-Doo thing. He's like. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah think he likes it a little bit i think he's you,
0: you're right he does yeah. kind of like it because he's at a
1: this room. moment like seared into my brain as a kid and i love every second of it i and, and like and i would say in a very positive way the the girls i've never been in a situation and i don't i don't struggle with uh corneos <laughs> guess what i'll say sexual interests right i think even as like an 11 year old it was just super cool to see a couple girls be like Just gonna fucking rip your dick off (laughs) i don't know but um there there's a little bit of vagueness here for me that i think we should break down and see if we can figure out what's going on here right so you the majority of men out there we're going to this is our our podcast might get a little r rated here but we're gonna have multiple pieces of equipment down there right you've got the penis You've got two testicles. And so when I played this back in 1997 on the PlayStation one, the three statements that Aerith cloud Tifa give is cloud says, I'll cut them off. Aerith says, I'll rip them off. And Tifa says, smash them. (laughs) Right? So, so cloud's got a sword. He'll cut them off with the sword. (laughs) Aerith's just got the gumption to just use her bare hand and rip it right off. And then Tifa's got that fist, the the monk's fist. She could deliver a punch that will just obliterate them altogether. But they're using the word them. So our, I was always under the impression we're talking the testicles because, like, that's your livelihood. You're not, once those are gone, you're not, you've got no legacy left. <laughs>
0: right but you've got a lot of nerve endings yet on that which they have declined to destroy sure sure so
1: and it could be all three right it could be cutting off everything Mm -hmm. so um but i was under the impression we were talking testicles here now remake came along same thing cut them off
0: spill the beans or
1: i'll cut them off rip them off if
0: you don't I'll rip them
1: off. Smash them.
0: Better keep talking. Or I'll smash them.
1: But the OG PC re-release that came out a couple years before remake came out. They say cut it off, rip it off, smash it. Really? Yes. So I'm confused. Why did they feel the need to correct it in the PC re-release? But remake kept the them because now i'm thinking with pc re-release i'm thinking penis with og with the old school and with remake i'm thinking testicles so it's it's very
0: unclear it is unclear nate wanted me to tell you that since one of those clips said okay i'll spill the beans maybe the question of what it or they is is beans beans being analogous to testes I can't say that I agree with Nate about this because I have difficulty believing that the Japanese translation of this quote is using an analogy with the word beans in it. But then again, Nate would argue that while they used it in the 1997 version of the English translation, there must be a reason why they're retaining it here. So take from that whatever you will, but it does invite the opportunity to drop this clip in. Is it the Frank or the beans?
1: I oh, I I I don't know. It looks like I think it's a little bit of both. Break some veins. Break some veins. Well, what's that bubble there? What do you think? It's a. Well, how the hell did you get the bees above the frag? I mean, you, I'm, you're,
0: you're, you're, you're... oh yeah. There's something about Corneo. I made a piece
1: of artwork. Um, maybe I'll release it someday. Maybe it'll see the light of day. But it's um, I found Tifa. She has. I found a mod for Tifa that has her in. A like racing outfit from, mm-hmm. from a character of Resident Evil 2 remake as well so the upgraded fidelity and everything and this is like deep cut lore because originally Claire Redfield the biker was an actual like not just a motorcycling enthusiast but was an actual professional motorcycle racer mm. in, in old old like 1996 Resident Evil 2 and they scrapped that and they made her a different character, right? So mm-hmm. that was like a little just fun Easter egg that they gave her the like professional racer costume. So somebody modded that costume onto Tifa in Final Fantasy VII Remake. And then I've got in my head Tifa Lockhart. The last name Lockhart just for whatever reason reminded me of Earnhardt. And and my hmm. mind started racing. So now I've got in my head this design of this like flamboyant NASCAR T-shirt. If you've ever seen one of these, and focusing on Tifa, and I just had to do it. Like put the like Hardy Daytona motorcycle on there, and her like looking all not even sexy, but like driven. You know, like a badass. And uh, then I just put the quote on there, like next to her head, like "I'll smash them." I love it. Yeah, I I was just like, this is. It's everything to me. I don't know if it'll make sense to anyone. Like if they'd see that design and be like, oh, this is firing on all cylinders for me. Or they'll see it and be like, what the fuck is this? But for me, it worked on every level. But yeah. Anyway, that the mystery, the mystery, it's out there. You Out there on the discord, on the comments, wherever you can contact us. Don't email us, but do tell us. Are they removing his penis, his testicles, or
0: both? Depends on what you think it is. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, in my original playthrough, I was playing it primarily alone, but uh, my wife, the one scene my wife watched with me as I was playing the game was the cloud Corneille bedroom scene here, and she (laughs) was like... What the hell is going on? Because she doesn't play like like we we play Stardew Valley together, and she plays mm-hmm. Dig Dug and Pac Man. Like we we really go that far back as far as like our gaming fluency, and she plays mobile games and things like that. And to to observe this repulsive scoundrel, it, it was such a funny snapshot that she got. And I just I look back and I just laugh to think about uh, her impression of what I was getting myself involved in because because she knew that remake was this game that I've been like super duper looking forward to i mean it just came out a few months like like a month prior and and she sits in on a scene and it's this like completely wretched scene with this completely wretched character i just have to i, I just laugh thinking about it
1: isn't that the magic of final fantasy 7 even even the old 1997 one when we first played it all of the like weird ass flavors you were tasting <laughs> when playing through this game because and what i'll say is like i'm about to wrap up Final Fantasy 16, right? And in my opinion, great combat, good game. I've got some issues, right? I can outline that at some point. But overall, great experience. But the game is like one flavor. Sad boy, <laughs> dark, classic fantasy, dragons and summons and all of that stuff. It's very Final Fantasy one, if we're being honest. It's very old school, right? Hmm. And I think about how all of the random shit that happened in 7. And like, did we get random shit in 8? No. Kind of um, didn't. Kind of did in 9. We got some we got some fun little zaniness in 9. Jumping rope. Yeah. Well, and just like the the plays and the like mm-hmm. the 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 wide birth of like what the characters represented and their archetypes and everything. So we got some more of that in nine, but then like 10 again was very one note for me. And that's not a bad thing. I, lo- I love 10, but like, I just think of like, how did seven squeeze in so much zany goofiness into one amazing package? I think that's what sticks with me is the fact your wife can walk in and catch a moment and just be like, "What." The fuck is this video game? Like, why? And there it's not the only time that that would be the case in Seven. Of like, what am I looking at? Chocobo Racing even is one of them, or maybe Gold Saucer as a whole is just another like, you know, you're doing an old timey play of like fighting a dragon. What? What is this? You know, uh, so or you're you're snowboarding and popping balloons. Like, okay, what is this game? And it's like, okay, well, that's just the magic of seven. Definitely. I don't think a lot of other entries have done that or games in general. Maybe like the Yakuza series spans that. I haven't played those games, but I've seen them kind of bridging that gap of serious to absurd.
0: Never played one. Couldn't tell you. Uh oh. (laughs) Uh oh. Better move on. So, uh, another thing I want to share about Original is that when we have this. The pre-threat of torture scene when it's just Cloud and Corneo. This depraved Sicko, he, he crawls on his on the bed like a horn dog, and he's like, All right, pussycat cat, come to daddy. And as you move about the room, like before you actually talk to him, the Corneo's sprite rotates with you so that he's always watching you. He's on all fours. <laughs> Have you played another game where a man <laughs> is on all like a horn dog is on all fours, hands and knees. Rotating with you as you investigate the room. It's really, really weird. And another funny thing about that room is that you can pick up a hyper item in original and maybe even in remake. I don't even remember. There's an item called hyper, and it's behind his bed. And you wonder if that's like analogous to an erection pill or drugs and well technically if you use hyper it cures the sadness debuff
1: or antidepressants is what he's on
0: i'm not gonna get into the psychoanalytical profile of corneos state
1: (laughs) i'm just saying they're curing they're curing the sadness debuff so
0: sure why not but anyways, so we threaten to destroy his genitalia, and Cornell ends up spilling the the complete story. What we learn is that after Avalanche's destruction of this Mako reactor and that one, Heidegger has come up with a plan to wipe out Avalanche once and for all. The plan is to destroy the pillar that holds up the Sector Seven plate from the top to the bottom, such that it will crush the Sector 7 slums, anybody who's in the way, countless civilians and slum dogs, as a means to stamp out Avalanche once and for all. This is what Corneo knows. Antifa can't believe this shit. It is so abhorrent, so evil of a plan, that she can't even accept it as true. He asks us, well, why did you... Why do you think I'm sharing all this information with you? And the options are because he knows that he faces certain death, because he knows that they've won, they being us, or that he's lost his mind. And whatever you pick, I don't know if it matters what you pick. Hold on, Nate, do you know if it matters what you pick?
1: No. You get... The result is the same.
0: The result is the same. He smashes the secret button and a pit opens up underneath all three of us. And we go falling down to the sewers below. Very much like, I don't know, Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi.
1: It was funny because I never thought of that as a kid, right? I never made the connection. And this playthrough, I thought about it. It's like, oh, this is the, is it the Rancor, right? Yes. We end up running into a Rancor, the pet. Of the fat, disgusting man who has the the woman in the bikini on a leash, right? And like, mm, mm-hmm. so it it just fires on all cylinders. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. That's amazing. I'm gonna make a note. And I looked in our document, and you had it right there, like it's Java. And I was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> he 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 must have. I'm guessing you thought about that years ago.
0: He's no Jedi.
1: This is giving us a little bit of like almost a like tertiary lore explanation that like Shinra is willing to drop a plate in order to take care of a problem right so i think this is giving us a a hint of additional lore of like maybe the first one wasn't an accident right maybe and i previously i beefed a little bit i said you would nobody would move to your country again nobody would do anything. But then I realized we had Boeing, the aircraft manufacturer, two of their Max 8 aircrafts just like nose-dived into the ground and like nobody gives a shit. I'm like whoops, I guess there was like a bug in the software and 300 400 people died, but yeah, you know, what are you going to do? And so you're absolutely right that when we did that analysis, you're like, yeah, you're a giant corporation. You can spin it. Nobody cares. Big whoop. I'm leaning towards the original plate drop. Wasn't an accident either. And this one, obviously, we know it's intentional.
0: Mm-hmm. So, And that's the end of the chapter. Yeah. Nate, we finally finished chapter nine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Also, amidst the revelation that the plate is going to drop, we get a scene from within Shinra headquarters in both uh, versions of the game. Mm-hmm we get uh, the same scene pretty much in uh, remake and OG with just a couple little differences. Um, but it's in the Shinra building. Is this the first time we've seen like the main Shinra president desk, which looks very sci-fi and huge to be a actual functional desk, but you never know.
0: I think so. I think we haven't seen a wide shot of the president until now. Before then, it's been like close-ups of his like chin and his mouth, or oh yeah, yeah, holographic representations. But now we get like a picture of him.
1: Yeah, and I think in OG, this would be absolutely the first time we're seeing this room. And then in uh, remake, we've seen like you said these kind of like little camera obscured glimpses of him, or we're looking at his hologram in remake right so Mm -hmm. we've got three characters here it's the president shinra president um does he have a first name in the ultimania
0: i'll find out i looked through the ultimania i couldn't find anything and then I did a google search and i am seeing some discussion that perhaps his first name is president which i don't buy but that's what some people think some people think that
1: we know other shinra family members three people in the room we got president shinra we've got heidegger we've seen him before he is the military man been reassigned to public security in light of the peace era and then we've got reeve who we've talked about a little bit in previous chapters but i don't think we've gotten a proper reeve moment up until this point in terms of the game itself reeve is the head of urban development now we were talking about at the uh, honeybee inn how his parents were were the old couple huffing and wheezing after their visit to the uh, sex room <laughs> and how they were they were talking about how their son got them this room so have have you ever
0: don't ask me that question <laughs>
1: did we address did we did we address this but like have you ever been like mom i got you something special <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hold on, I did buy my mom a massage though. Once
1: a regular like massage,
0: right? No, I bought my mom a sexual massage. Come okay. on, man.
1: okay. Well, I'm just saying. No, I'm I'm clarifying. I'm doing this for your benefit because oh, 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 oh. you can say you say massage and the internet goes whichever way they want to. I'm saying for your benefit a regular massage.
0: Yes, a regular massage. Fuck the internet.
1: <laughs> you can't leave the internet to their own devices, Tyler. You have to clarify. Um. Anyway, so we got the three guys here. They're having this meeting. Reeve does not want the plate dropped. Now, I'm going to split this up because it's essentially the same scene, but very different tones throughout. Remake Reeve says, At least let us issue a warning. The underplate is home to 50,000. So this is a people-focused solution. He's saying... He says the plate's gonna drop you know Mm -hmm. he knows there's no changing where this is going but at least let us you know do some humanitarian shit beforehand right whereas in OG he says urban development is my job so essentially if you drop my plate you're you're robbing me of my labor (laughs) you've you've reduced my labor by 12.5% in developing the urban real estate that I have at my disposal.
0: And you're cutting off your nose to spite your face, like for the entire freaking city. I know you're trying to squash some rats, but we're not trifling around here.
1: Yes. And then the president responds with, progress requires sacrifice. Progress
0: requires sacrifice.
1: Learn to live with it. And I think that kind of sums up presidents shinra's ethos in both it's that the sacrifice he's making like you said cutting off your nose to spite your face it's dumb right from a there's other ways to solve this problem but from his perspective He's the kind of guy that he's like, I want people living in a perpetual state of like crisis and dependence. So if they think our enemies, you know, Wu Tai is a thing of the past mm. or, you know, you know, at least they are, but they're kind of drumming them up as still relevant in remake, mm. but they're, they're kind of a thing of the past. So I need a new enemy. I need a new person that can murder you at a moment's notice. And I've got them here. They are. Now, they're poking around. They're blowing up reactors. Maybe a couple dozen people died or whatever. But when this shit goes down, man, I've got the people in my hand after this one. Mm. So I think that's the calculation the president's making is as long as I have an enemy that's an actual threat of some kind, then that puts me in the position I want to be in. So then remake Reeve gives the most blatant audible anime grunt in the game so far. <laughs> Maybe you can pull that for us. Have you ever been in a conversation where your boss tells you something, Tyler, like he, he gives you an assignment or you might disagree or, you know, and you just go ah to your
0: boss? No, I've never done that.
1: Okay. Well, this is the most powerful man in the in seemingly the world that just said he's going to murder 50,000 people or more, with a giant city being dropped on them, you just un him.
0: <laughs> right?
1: So, um, <laughs> but OG president says, hey, you're tired, Reeve. Take a vacation. So, remake Reeve, no vacation for him. OG Reeve gets a nice little vacation for uh, his, his protests. Wunderbar. Yeah. I think remake Reeve went a little bit too far by saying he cares about people. Whereas OG Reeve kept it all about his professional career. And so Shinra's, President Shinra's like, he's a little bit more favorable to Reeve and OG because he understands, like, oh, yeah, that is kind of your job to care about making my city good. So mm-hmm. just take a vacation. You don't have to deal with this. Come back with a fresh pair of eyes. We'll have buildings to build, roads to to fix up collapsed expressways to uncollapse. It's all good, buddy. Exactly. Also, this president Shinra has a built in lit cigar at all times as well. (laughs) Whereas remake Shinra, no cigar. So, you know, he's got a cigar buddy in Don Corneo. Maybe they hang out and they talk about their, their favorite cigar moments. I don't know. I'm not a smoker. I don't know what cigar people do. I know people that are always like, Oh Yeah got some fresh ones let's go you know we want to go you want to go out back smoke a cigar
0: or some cognac
1: yeah and i'm i'm just like i have no idea what the drive or interest in that is whatsoever you're not supposed
0: to smoke it i hear you're supposed to like like puff on it but you don't actually inhale okay okay to which point i go what are we doing
1: It's like it's a media shorthand for cool guys with sophistication, at least in the 20th century. I don't know if that still holds true for today.
0: Men of
1: leisure. I'm guessing in the show Narcos, which I've never watched, there's some cigar moments of nerding out about cigars.
0: I'm sure that's important to a certain sect of people. Right. Right.
1: All right. That's the scene. No vacation for Reeve in remake.
0: I can't believe it took us four episodes to complete this chapter. Oh my goodness. Well, the conversation doesn't end here. We actually go through the sewers chapter and the train graveyard chapter in the same conversation, but we're going to take a break right here. It's a good dividing line. Come back next week and we will get back to it. Thank you, everybody. See you next time. Tyler and Nate out.